Good morning. Uh, this is Mike, and you're listening to Driving Theology. I said Driving Theology, like a country man. Uh, yep. <clears throat> on my way to work on Wednesday as usual. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It is... September something. It's like September some September 20th. Let me make sure my volumes are all taken care of here. Yeah, so uh, what's been happening in your neck of the woods? I, I have a little uh, congestion that I seem to deal with every single morning this season. Uh a summer cold or something. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? It does get better as the day goes on, which is good. And uh, thankful not to have any uh, COVID-like symptoms or anything like that, which so far we have been spared from in my home. Uh, so... I listened to about a third of a podcast last night, and it was something that somebody had posted on a Church of Christ theology uh, page on Facebook um, that I follow a little bit. Um, You may or may not know that I come from a background in the Church of Christ. I was a parents, my grandparents on both sides were churches of Christ, uh, and yeah, I, we were, we, we were basically church mice my whole childhood, went to all the special meetings, my dad preached a little bit, um, and, uh, was a deacon as well, um, and even a superintendent of a church at one point. Um, and yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> I guess before I came to Japan, well, actually, before I was an adult, I had been a member, my family had gone to maybe four different churches of Christ, I suppose, uh, until I went to college. And in college, I went back and forth from a couple couple different churches uh, and when after we got married we attended I guess two different the same two different churches I guess so uh, and they were completely different these two these two congregations that I attended in Oklahoma before I came to Japan uh, the first one was the college church it was the closest it's the one where you know you could walk to from campus if you were in the dorms um, and uh, <clears throat> it was big, right? Just, uh, you know, between 1,000 and 2,000 people probably at that time. And uh, the singing was amazing. If you don't know Churches of Christ, we don't use instruments. Uh, but more or less, uh, traditionally, people have learned to sing all four parts. And so, well, not everybody learned to sing all four parts, but we, we all chose a part. And so. It's kind of like walking into a 
a chorus practice sometimes it's 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 actually often pretty darn good I think a lot's changed um, sorry I'm gonna sip some of this coffee see if it wakes my voice up a little bit um, <clears throat> I say things have changed because they've stopped making buildings so acoustically live it seems like and They've added more and more um, uh, sound systems and things like this, and, and more and more uh, song leaders uh, kind of become overbearing. Instead of kind of trying to become part of the, the harmony, they, they, they kind of take it over a little bit, a little bit too much for my liking. Um, and... Uh, Anyway, that's that's just a that that's a that's a music thing to me. It's not a worship thing. I don't I don't believe that any of that, uh, any of the things we do on Sunday morning in a church necessarily falls uh, under worship. I think worship is a much more I don't even know what the term is, but you 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 either worship or you don't. It's it's a, it's a it's a state of mind right it's a it's a commitment to the will of God and I've talked about this before so I don't want to go into that today um, anyway uh, once we came to Japan uh, after a year or two we kind of settled into this uh, little church that had friends that we had known in Oklahoma uh, and so we we started worshiping there well, I said worshiping ah so hard to get out of that rut. I don't really use these words anymore. But anyway, we started attending church there, and we attended there for 18 years. Um, and um, <clears throat> let's see, we attended there for 18 years. We, I, I started pretty much as soon as I got there, leading singing, leading the music. Uh, and did that for more or less 18 years. We also taught Bible classes, uh, children's ministry with my wife, women's ministry my wife did. Uh, I also uh, preached, did preaching ministry as well as teaching Bible classes, and helping organize uh, all different things. And we were in lay, lay leadership. I mean, pretty much everybody in Church of Christ are lay leaders, more or less. Um, but we were in the, we were in the top, we were in the leadership group. Now we're talking about a very small church, very small, um, probably 20, 20 to 30 people there on an average Sunday. Um, <clears throat> once in a while you get up to 50 and that was pretty much as much as would fit. Uh, that was very rare during special occasions and things like that. Sometimes it'd probably be more like 15. So today I suspect it's probably even less than that uh, these days. But anyway, we, we left uh, after 18 years there. And that has been now since uh, the end of 2003. We're coming up on the end of 2001. So eight years, I guess. Uh, 2013, sorry. The end of 2013, we're coming up on the end of 2021, so yeah, eight years ago, we walked out, 
more or less for good. It doesn't mean we haven't visited. Um, it's been a while since we visited, but we did visit sometimes and went back occasionally, uh, more so early, early on. Um, yeah, more so early on than, uh, than recently for sure. Um, <clears throat> all that to say that I spent more than 40 years in churches of Christ and in a lot of ways, once you've done that, you can't escape, you know, um, whatever hold they ha had on you. But I guess my point is this, is that, well, I started with the podcast. Let me explain the podcast first. This podcast is called Cultish. And what they do is they go around and uh, they're Christians, but they go around and pick on other... Yeah, see, I'm already being mean to them, but oh well. They pick on other groups uh, who have practices that, from their perspective, are cultish, right? From their point of view. Uh, and I, I could only get through... Uh, a quarter of it or a third because they were talking about the churches of Christ and I was just getting really, really mad listening to it. It was really hard for me to swallow all the stuff they were saying. Uh, and it's not because I don't think they're right in what they were saying. I actually think they are right. The problem was what they did time and time again was was pick on the the theology the the perceived theology and I'm going to get to that in a minute of churches of Christ with other poor theology um, in its place, right? There's so much bad theology uh, that are in, as far as I can tell, all evangelical fundamentalist groups. Uh, in fact, I would say their theology is, by and large, bankrupt. Uh, and so, you know, to remove, you know, it's just like what Jesus said, to remove a, a speck, uh, remove a, a speck in your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. That's what it just felt like as I was listening to them go through this stuff last night. And I just could not finish it. Now, it doesn't mean I won't finish it. I probably should finish it if I'm going to. Uh, comment on it. So I'm not going to comment on what I didn't hear. But here's the thing about I, I suspect all churches everywhere. No church no two churches share the same theology. No two churches. Right? So if you go from you know this Catholic church to the next Catholic church Everything that they're taught and they learn, of course, it comes from a liturgy, uh, which is, you know, basically a, 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 a planned, a lesson plan, I guess. But see, every, every priest that teaches from that liturgy is going to have his own perspective and take on it, and it's going to be influenced by his theology, and everybody has a different theology. No two people share the same theology. Uh, in, in every nuance, right? Uh, because it's an incredibly objective, nuanced thing, right? It's, it's theology is what you believe to be true about God, 
that's theology, right? Um, now, there may, may be a couple theological premises that you kind of, you know, nod to and say, yep, I believe that. Um, usually that has to do with atonement theories, right? Just just how... Uh, crap. Uh, sorry. I keep getting rerouted last week and this week are in the same place. It's open at night, but not in the morning. Oh well. Glad I left kind of early. So, where was I? So each church, church to church, uh, you know, have different leaders. And these leaders teach from different perspectives. And they have slightly different uh, theologies that, that uh, support or influence those perspectives and then everybody's got different ears and different brains and they understand and perceive everything in a different way there there really isn't a uniform theology anywhere it just doesn't exist uh, because we have something called hermeneutic right we we have we have way too many filters and gates that everything has to pass through and they're all unique to us, right? Uh, and so, you know, how could we all understand everything the same? Two people from similar backgrounds, similar ages, speaking similar languages, and being of similar cultures, can sit and hear the same sermon and take it two different ways. It happens all the time. And that's because one of the things your hermeneutic does uh, is it reveals the state that you're in at the time of hearing or reading or perceiving. Right? Uh, let me give an example. Uh, two men are walking in a field. Uh, one hasn't eaten in four days. Uh, and one has a full stomach. And they're walking up onto a house and they smell food. Okay, they're smelling the same food from the same place, uh, walking together in the same field, and they come up on the house smelling food. Well, the food, to the guy who's full, is not something he even enjoys eating. It's not something he enjoys eating at all. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not his favorite food. Maybe it's uh, some kind of a goulash or a... <laughs> What's something I had before? Mulligan stew. <laughs> Which was interesting to me as a kid. Mulligan stew. Anyway, maybe it's something he doesn't like at all. Uh, and and he's like, whoa, that smells horrible. That just smells terrible. But this other guy hasn't eaten in four days. And really, he'd probably <clears throat> eat a rock if it had a little side of butter with it. And to him, he's, he doesn't remember the last time he smelled something as sweet, as good, right? Whether he likes that food or not, the idea of food has made it incredibly desirable to him. Now, these are kind of extreme examples, but this is the idea of hermeneutic, right? Everybody comes to information by a different route, by a different route, if you will. Uh, and, and besides that, we 
are different people, right? Our foundations, our cultures, our backgrounds are different. Uh, somewhat, right? Even if just a little bit. Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is the theology, I think, uh, that exists out in the world, um, if you if you put it on a spectrum from, I guess the, the way we usually do this is from liberal to conservative. I'm not sure those are the only two uh, extremes we can go with theology, uh, but let's just keep that for argument's sake. I think you'd pretty much find a pretty wide spectrum, even just in churches of Christ. Uh, and what I was trying to say before is, is that I, I attended two churches uh, in in the same city. Uh, many of the people worked at the same university from these two different churches, but one was considered ultra ultra liberal, and one was considered conservative. Right, um, and they were really. <coughs> I'm sorry about that. They were really different between the two. There was a pretty vast difference in the way that they um, did their services and who could participate in their services. One group uh, allowed women to pray. Uh, and even, I think, even speak maybe sometimes. I can't remember exactly what their thing was. It's been way too long ago. And they did not have paid paid clergy. They shared the responsibilities. And they sat in a round seating type of a, type of a shape, right? They all sat in the round facing a table in the center. Um, and they did things very very freely, right? They, they didn't have everything so cut and dry about you. we have to do it this way or that way. They were, they were very, very much a hippie-like church is what they would have been described at at the time. Uh, and they were way on the fringes. Now to me, even going in that group today, I think I would feel like they're a bit more conservative still, right? Probably because of the theology they'd be talking about. But be that as it may, um, they were different, right? Uh, <clears throat> and here's the thing that that makes churches of Christ more difficult to pin down on theology. The thing is, uh, they they believe in autonomy between congregations. There are no uh, presidents or boards of directors that are going around trying to keep everybody theologically together. There isn't any. There isn't anyone who has authority to do that. They believe the authority lies strictly with the Bible, right? Strictly with the Bible is where their authority would come from. And so they, they have always tried to do things uh, the way they think the first church did things, and so that's why they are from the Restoration Movement, trying to restore the first, uh, the uh, yeah, the the first century church, right? The original church. Now, <clears throat> I have all kinds of problems with the restoration movement. Um, and, and there are, um, 
all kinds of things I think they got wrong. But I, I do believe in my heart of hearts that they were a step in the correct direction. Uh, I just don't think they went far enough. Um, not by half. Uh, now, you go back to these other other um, groups, and there, there are, you know, I know a lot of good people who are in, you know, Lutheranism and Presbyterianism and and uh, Baptists, and you know, there, there are there are great people everywhere in every group. Um, <clears throat> I just don't think we are well served to make a podcast that basically is pointing out the faults of everybody else, uh, while while you know being so grateful and warm and cozy that they are in their tradition. Uh, it's just kind of a, I don't know, it just, it did not sit well with me. Uh, I think they're too much in the middle of it to be good critics of it. I think what they perceive as them is still, uh, is still us. Does that make sense? Uh, they, they are still in the middle of all of this, uh, what I described a minute ago as bankrupt evangelical slash fundamentalist theology. A lot, of th- a lot of the theology is, is very, very similar between fundamentalism, fundamentalism and uh, evangelicalism, I think. It's just that I think fundamentalism uh, is way more strict uh, with their conclusions uh, and practices. I started to kind of <clears throat> follow up on this, what I was hearing last night, uh, and... Uh, I just couldn't really get the words out. Um, I I have a lot wrong with Church Christ theology, um, and like I said, there isn't one right. There there probably are some generalizations that come up, and the biggest one people pick on right away is baptism for salvation. Right, that you have to be baptized to be saved. Uh, and then the difference between adult slash infant baptism is probably another one. Um, uh, there are some really weird things that came up. Like, so, oh, what is this? I can't remember what it's called. So, churches of Christ in general believe that newborn babies are born without sin. They're born perfect. They are a clean slate. Uh, they, they have no need of baptism because they have been born pure. Okay, let's just let's just say that's true. All right, let's just go with this for a minute. Because this was brought up in the this was one of the critiques of the podcast by Church of Christ people on the Church of Christ Theology podcast. They said, "So churches of Christ are are ridiculed because we believe babies." Uh, are pure at birth and are a clean slate and if babies die they go to heaven right that that God accepts them that and I have to be honest that's what I believe right I believe that that babies uh, are accepted by God but you know I'm I'm per near a universalist I believe everybody's accepted by God I don't believe anybody's not accepted by God I think people reject God but I think God accepts everyone, regardless, right, of sin. He took care of sin. He defeated sin. Sin has been dealt with once and for all. 
So, anyway, be that as may, this was this was their argument. This was their argument. So they said, so, Church of Christ people should be all for abortion. Because, you know, with abortion, you're sending a million or more than a million babies to heaven every year. You should be for abortion. You're sending people right to heaven. It's like, really? That's your argument? That's your argument. So the flip side of that coin is that these people believe that all these babies are not going to heaven. Now, I don't know if it means to them that all of these aborted babies were never humans. You know, do they believe in the, you know, you're not human until you've taken your first breath kind of kind of stuff? I've recently heard that from Christians. Kind of weird. Now, if they believe that, <clears throat> um, at least there's a conversation there. But if they believe that all of these aborted babies are going to hell, that they weren't ever human, then they they support abortion in another way, I suppose. That, you know, no, no harm, no foul kind of thing. But if they believe that God <clears throat> is sending all of these babies to hell, did I say that right? It sounded right in my head, but I don't think I said that right. So... Church Christ people in general believe that aborted babies and babies before the age of accountability uh, go to heaven if they die. Just, boop, done, go to heaven. Uh, They were saying that, well, then Church Christ people should support abortion because abortion is a one-way ticket to heaven, right? Free pass to heaven. And then... And then they go, uh, and then the Church of Christ people react and say, so does that mean you you guys think that all aborted babies go to hell? You know, how is that fair? And how, how what, what does that say about God, right? No, nobody has, I haven't seen any pushback on that, um, on that pushback. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it just seems kind of weird because I don't think there's any good, conclusion from that. Either you think, okay, abortion's fine because it's no harm, no foul. Uh, You know, aborted babies never became human. They're just tissue. Therefore, you know, it's like, uh, you know, cutting off your fingernails or something. Uh, And then the other flip side of that is, no, well, they they are humans. That's why we don't support abortion. Uh, But uh, they have been sent to hell, right? Because they, they have sin in them. That's why we you know that maybe that's why we um, is that an opportunity? That's why we baptize babies, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, there's there's really no good answer uh, to that. Um, I actually, you know, believe that yeah, um, babies in general, I'd say children. Uh, maybe, maybe even adolescence. I mean, I, yeah, I think we start understanding right and wrong, but we also, I don't think, I've talked about this before, I don't think we're completely at fault of who we become, right? Uh, we are greatly influenced by people outside of us. It doesn't mean that there might be some kind of a DNA level sin that exists within us, 
right? But but Paul never talks about this physical aspect of sin being in us. He talks about, you know, more theological things. You know, all men have sinned because they were in Adam. They have all come out of Adam, therefore all men have sinned. And, you know, that's kind of a theological stance that that kind of states that men cannot accept sin. We're all going to give in to it at some point or another. All mankind, or all humankind, I should say. All people. I don't know how to say that PC anymore. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting conundrum. Uh, now, I haven't even dealt with the problems of, you know, what heaven is and you know, do we all go to heaven or is heaven come to earth? And that that's a whole theological conundrum in and of itself. So, you know, we're just talking about what happens to babies. Are they with God or are they in eternal conscious torment? Or did they just stop existing altogether? I guess my point is, even if you don't like Church of Christ theology, you, can, you better darn well have a better theology to, to cover it because... They've uncovered a whole big bunch of worms now uh, that that does not sit right with me, and I don't think most people. You, you, you haven't solved a problem. Uh, you're just out of the frying pan and then into the fire now, and no pun intended. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, back to the idea of, of cultish, right? They're, they're trying to say that these practices are cultish, that people have cultish practices and really what they should be saying is poor theology right if if that that's all they talked about in this podcast they didn't get into any of the cultish stuff uh, cults are different than religions you know a, a false religion does not a cult make there are very specific things that that cults are known for uh, many of them are doomsday cults in other words they're they're based on some uh supposed knowledge of the apocalypse and the end of times uh, and and other cults are known for uh, isolationism right they isolate themselves they buy land they build you know communes they isolate themselves other cults are known for forced marriages right you can only marry who we tell you to uh, right known for uh, totalitarian leadership right they dictate what job you can do who you can marry, how many children you can have, this kind of stuff. Uh, other cults uh, would be known for, um, you know, making it very difficult to get out of a religion, right? If you if you have a hard time leaving a religious group, right? If there's a lot of shame, if there's ridicule, if there's even, say, corporal punishment or something like this, these would be cultish activities. I don't think these people understand what a cult is. Now, there probably have been some cults or cultish activity in individual congregations or individual movements that came out of the Church of Christ. I would say that has happened. Um, but to, you know, uh, man, I... <clears throat> Church of Christ definitely uh, ride that line between evangelicalism and fundamentalism, for sure. There are more fundamental congregations and, and there are more evangelical congregations. Uh, but by and large, I mean, 
I, I just can't think of any any activity that's ever been cultish that I was ever involved in. And I've been out for eight years now. Uh, and we've been doing, you know, organic church, house church kind of stuff. Which is very, very loose at the moment. But, yeah, I, I, I really think it's, you know, what is it, the pot calling the kettle black, to use another uh, illustration. Um, they, they really didn't get so far in the podcast any cult-like activities. Uh, all they uncovered was some poor theology. Uh, but I think poor theology uh, basically is the, you know, the life spread of religion. I think that's what makes religion religion is poor theology. I'm so anti-religion at this point. Uh, and not because of cultish activity, although that, that has happened. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't think these guys understand what a cult is so far. I guess I need to do my due diligence and gut my way through the rest of that podcast. And maybe I'll do that today at lunch. And maybe I'll have a few comments to, to add to this. But so far, so far... Uh, yeah, I, I, it seemed pretty far off base. Um, like I said, there is poor theology, but I think, I think, you know, standing on your poor theology and pointing at someone else's poor theology is, is poor theology. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, sorry, that, that's. You know, that's my my background a little bit. You know, I had a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction uh, to these uh, attacks on my uh, on my formal people, uh, former people. I said formal people. I meant former people, and I, I, you know, that that's the thing. My theology allows for all these people to still be my people, um, because I think they're all God's people. Uh, and no matter what they think they know about him, no matter what I think I know about him, he's more than that and different than that, at least in some ways. Uh, and he is way more accepting uh, than, I, than I will ever be of people misrepresenting him and, and misunderstanding him and even rebelling against him. I think he's completely forgiving of all of that stuff. Uh, if if you are in a group and you find yourself, uh, if you are in a religion or religion and you find yourself in a group that's, you know, just constantly pointing pointing your fingers at everybody else's theology, I want to suggest that you know that may say something about the the chinks in your own armor that may say something about um, uh, there's something there's something that you guys are misunderstanding about who Christ is right you're, you're not understanding the love of Christ you're not accepting uh, of people as accepting of people as Christ is um, and you may just want to say hey guys let's you know let's let's stop that let's let's talk about what we what we believe to be true and how that affects the people around us, right? 
let's let's look at the the logs in our own in our own eyes first. I never thought about that, but that that can be kind of a perspective thing too. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Of course you have. I think everybody has. If if I could see the speck in my own eye, okay, if I could see the speck in my own eye, it would look like a log in someone else's eye given enough distance. You understand this, right? So so my finger I'm holding up to my eye right now and when I when I close my other eye and look through the open eye at the finger it blocks an entire car in front of me so what is a little finger to me uh, would be the size of almost a house in front of me right because of perspective so I I, I wonder if that's uh, something that Jesus was getting at he's like you're not even seeing the log in your brother's eye. That log in your brother's eye is a speck in your own eye. <laughs> well, it's the, actually the opposite, right? You're trying to remove the speck. Oh, it's the opposite. You're trying to remove the speck from your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. But it, no, it's the same thing, right? Well, oh no, it'd be the opposite. It looks like a log in your, your, your well, but from your perspective, right? From Jesus' perspective, it's a it's a, a speck in your brother's eye, but it's a log in your own eye. That's kind of cool. Wow. Something that's tiny with me looks huge on my brother. Wow. And it may be mine all along. I gotta look into that. That's kind of fun. Huh. That's really fun. It, it remind, reminds me of the thing that the guy said on the movie, I think it's Awakenings is with Robin Williams brilliant movie uh, about mental illness um, anyway this guy constantly goes around holding up two fingers and says how many fingers do you see and people say two and he's like no and he's frustrated and he's mad that people keep saying two fingers keep seeing two fingers and finally he explains it to Robin Williams he says don't look at the fingers look at me and if you look past the fingers at the guy the, the number of fingers double. There's four fingers or three fingers or something. I can't remember exactly what it is, but anyway, we're always looking at the problem instead of looking at the person, right? That's kind of what uh, he was getting at. Don't look at the problem. Look at the person, right? It's the people that are important. This is a great lesson to learn. Can't deny that. Uh, man, I've made it here to my place five minutes, well, maybe three and a half minutes early. <clears throat> so I'm going to enjoy this coffee and keep talking to you guys for just a minute or two. I will turn off my car, though. Oh, coffee is good. Well, uh, churches of Christ have a lot to do as far as theology. Um, I like their odds, though, um, partly because they are largely a lay-led um, group. Um, of course, they have preachers, uh, but the preachers, who are the professionals, are subject to the elders, who are a lay group of people from the community. They're lay leaders. They're not paid. Uh, and I... If you have to have a church with a professional in it, 
I'm not sure that's not the best way to go about it. Um, it's not that professionals are bad. It's that one professional with too much power and too much influence uh, is problematic, I think. Um, but that's why I believe in a completely egalitarian gathering where nobody has um, any more status than anybody else except that which is earned through time spent with the group that comes up organically and that's I believe the you know one of the um, principles uh, behind the idea of family like organic like church anyway uh, that's a little bit off the subject uh, like to hear your comments on this um, I'll try to listen to the rest of that podcast today and let you guys know what I find all right thanks for listening bye-bye